This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, a CBS Sports podcast. I am Mike Cazazza, ready to talk some baseball here with, um, uh, well, I guess he'd be our Billy Martin because we had him. He went away. He came back. Uh, maybe we don't do that three or four more times, but Will Aldrich back, cover the Mountaineers when they were, well, back when they weren't one of the best teams in the country, huh, Will? No, it was right after that, uh, that Elk Manoa season. Um, and I, I've been watching from afar the last couple of seasons and just had the opportunity to move back uh, to the greater Morgantown area up in Pittsburgh and uh, couldn't miss the opportunity to cover this team for the second half of the season. So excited to be back. But pat yourself in the back a little bit here. You do have a, uh, you do have pro baseball experience, huh? It usually goes the other way, college or pros, but you came back to college. Yeah. Yeah. I was up in Cincinnati, uh, up in Cincinnati for a year covering uh, Cincinnati Reds. I kind of covered the visiting teams as they made their way into town and it was a tough year for the Reds. But uh, but it's good to get that experience and excited to bring it to uh, back to Morgantown. Slightly different here. This is not a tough year for West Virginia. You're watching from afar. You've been around for a couple of series now. The home games have been very entertaining, highly offensive, which that's not the style of baseball you left when you saw Randy Maisie coaching a couple of years ago. They can swing it. They still run. Their pitching is kind of coming together. But man. These atmospheres, Will, I would imagine that's the first thing that stood out to you upon stepping foot back inside Mon County Ballpark. What has that been like, and what's the product in the field and the success of the program been like? Yeah, I, I think the biggest difference for me is, you know, you look back to that 2019 season, I think that was that was the year that that really got Mountaineer, put, base, put Mountaineer baseball on the map. Um, fans are starting to go to the games, they're starting to buy the gear, they're starting to buy into to what Randy Maisie is selling. And I think the diff- the difference with this season is that, you know, we saw from, from right at the beginning of the season, the, the buy-in from the community was there. And now we have a full season of um, sold out games. Um, you know, we just had obviously last night, the Penn state game was, a, a, I believe a top 10 attendance game. And we're talking a, a, a Tuesday night game, a chilly game and, and it cracked top 10 in attendance. And I think that game right there just, just kind of shows you uh, the buy-in from the community and uh Obviously, a few strong individual performers are, are are helping with that, you know, J.J. Weatherholt and, and guys like that. But I think just what Randy Maisie has been building with with transfers and on top of some of the some of the four year players has really excited the community and um, it's taken it to another level. So there aren't a whole lot of 30 win teams in the country already. This is one of them. They're 30 and 11. Don't forget, they started 0 and 2. So. I don't want to say they're 39, but like they have won 30 out of 39 games, which is a fairly wild clip. 
And now you have a team that's in first place in the Big 12 by winning percentage, but also has the greatest overall winning percentage in the Big 12. Their home record is slightly better than their away record. They've won five games in a row. And now they play Baylor, Will, which is either the best or worst possible scenario. They go on the road. I think if you're going to play bad teams, you'd much rather do it on the road than play a great team on the road. Baylor 6-12. and 12. Five and four at home in the conference. Yeah. Just 13 and 14 at home. Th- this seems like it's got to be a win for West Virginia when it comes to the series just to keep the momentum going. And I don't know now, like, is this a, is this at a place now where you say winning the series isn't enough? You got to take three. I, don't, I mean, are we there yet? Is that, is that too bold? No, I don't think that's bold at all. I mean, you're talking about a, a Baylor team, which ranks in the bottom of the Big 12. Um, in pretty much every offensive and, and pitching category. They have the worst ERA in the Big 12. They have the worst bat, uh, combined batting average. So I don't think it's ridiculous at all to expect at least two out of three wins in Waco. Um, but I think that that at the end of the year, you know, when they're doing putting together a seating for the Big 12 tournament, these are the kind of series late in the late in the year that that a sweep would would make all the difference, I think. Three at Baylor, come home against Pitt, a team that West Virginia beat at PNC Park, correct? That's right. Then the home weekend against Oklahoma and historically that crowd for the weekend, that first weekend in May is typically pretty good. I don't know why I know that, um, but like maybe it's Cinco de Mayo, but there's a whole lot of good moods. Maybe it's the weather change and maybe it's spring football's over, but that could be a really dicey one for Oklahoma to navigate. Oklahoma is just seven and eight in the conference, 22 and 19 overall. My point being, here's a team that's won five in a row going on the road against a bad team playing a pit team at home. I, I just think that the the momentum in the stands is going to continue to roll along and maybe accumulate. There's a chance for this team to get on a run right now, and now you're starting to see the projections, Will, where this could be a regional host. This could be a team that is not just playing hosts, playing host to some postseason games, but maybe is expected to make some noise. Um, small picture, big picture. These next seven, maybe even eight games, because they get pit again after the Oklahoma series, this seems like a, I don't want to say fork in the road, but it can go in two different directions here. One could be great and one could be just okay. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I like your analogy. This, this is a fork in the road. I mean, we have essentially seven winnable games, very winnable games um, in the next couple of weeks. And, you know, even before you get to, to Texas tech and, and down the stretch at Texas, um, these are, these are winnable games. Um, and I think they're going to, these are going to be the ones that you're going to look back on the end of the season and, and whether this turns into a hosting a regional or whether, you know, we get West Virginia gets sent out somewhere else. Um, this, these are the stretch of the games that, that you need to win. And, and uh, yeah, it should be fun to watch. Two obstacles are going to have to overcome. One's a good one. And one is not so good. I want to start on the tails side here because we've been talking so glowingly about the program. And this is a weakness that West Virginia has nevertheless survived. The record is what it is. They're very successful. We've talked about this despite having to pitch, and play on Sundays. The identity of their Sunday starter has changed throughout the season. There's been two. Um, and right now it seems like it's settled on true freshman Robbie Porco, who has been good, but he's going to see some good competition coming up here. Maybe not right away, but certainly in those Texas Tech and Texas series, the bats are going to be better. He does seem to have something there. Um, Grant Siegel was their starter. They probably thought about different guys, but Porco had been good in midweek games and even out of the bullpen, and he's done pretty well lately. Um, 
Sunday games have been important. They're always important. Sometimes you can sweep. Sometimes you can avoid a sweep. Sometimes you win a series. It just depends. But this does seem like something you circle as far as a concern, not just in the regular season, but who's your third starter in a postseason series? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're in the kind of spring football season. So I'll, I'll kind of equate this to, to Neil Brown's quarterback competition. I mean, you're looking at two different types of quarterbacks, Nico and, and Garrett Green. And I think that's similar to what Randy's looking at um, in the sense that he gave four different guys a chance uh, with, with Gavin Van Kemp and Carson Ezra, Jaden Major, you know, Porco, obviously, as you mentioned, and, and Grant Siegel, and, and really not one of those guys has, has kind of separated themselves from the pack. And when looking at quarterbacks, you know, you're looking for a guy to separate themselves from the pack and and go out and kind of take that job. And 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 none of the none of the four of those guys have done that. I mean, really, not a lot of great options at that point. And and it's seeming more and more like there isn't going to be one Sunday starter. It seems like he's going to keep kind of rotating that spot, which is a bit alarming, just because, um, as Randy Mazey kind of alluded to, sometimes that that third spot, that Sunday spot, could be. Um, pitching in a, a possible Big 12 championship situation if that was to arise. So it is a bit alarming. Um, but I think he feels good about kind of an opener role. You can use those guys as openers. Um, and he, he certainly has a number of guys he can go to in long relief, um, whether it be Van Kempen or, or Aiden Major has, has played that role a bit too. So I think it's a little bit alarming, definitely weakness of this team. And and I think whether a third starter can emerge um, – out of that group could dictate a pretty big chunk of, of the way this, this season ends up, ends up going. All right, coach, I'm going to ask you, who's your Sunday start of the rest of the way? Um, if I had to guess right now, I'll just say, I, I liked, um, I liked last night what I saw from, from Estridge. I'll be honest. Um, I, I think it's, it's a little bit, I think it's a little bit tough to, to judge what he did at Pitt. Um, Coach Maisie kind of talked about that after the game. He's a little bit worried about how he's going to come out. I'm a big fan of Carson Edgers. I think he has the highest ceiling out of that group. Um, definitely has the best best um, best soft speed pitches out of those four. Um, and I just think he has the, the highest upside. Uh, but I'm definitely willing to to see what you have to hear about that. I'm guessing by reactions, maybe a little bit different. You went outside the box. I like that though. I think a lot of people think it would be Siegel or it would be Porco, but Estridge does seem like he's been getting the ball in some some situations where Randy's going to evaluate what he can do there and has been rewarded. Uh he's also six seven, right? Yes. So they got yeah. big right-handed pitchers that can come in and throw that. Um, which is interesting to me because left-handed Ben Hampton, he's not a finesse guy, but he's just not he's not six seven right-handed power. And then you have Traxel after him in the in the the Saturday of the game two spot. And again, you could you could shuffle these all you want in a postseason series. I understand that, but he's he's crafty. He's different. Not high speed. He says he pitches to contact. That almost makes it seem like you're going to have a power arm. That's that's not necessarily Siegel, who by the way had a good inning last night in relief. Um, last night being Tuesday night. But do you think it's more likely to be an Estridge or a Porco just because it's such a different look? in a series and maybe even a postseason series, because in a postseason series, you might see a team twice too. Yeah. I, I think it's not unrealistic to, to think that you could see both of those guys. Um, you know, that, yeah, it, it's that, that third spot's going to be really interesting. I mean, you'll get the schedule. You're each going to have at least, you know, two or three more starts here down the stretch. So um, yeah, I, I think it could go either way at this point. Are you worried at all about Blaine Traxel? Um, eight up the innings, had a really good ERA before, 
Uh, I'm going to read you his last couple of starts. Kansas State, seven innings, five runs. Kansas, five innings, six runs. Oklahoma State, 3.2, four runs. I believe he got in relief against Pitt, and then TCU, five innings, four runs. Um, I don't know if he slowed down, if people have caught up to him, if the book is out, but those are not numbers in the second half of the season that are as good as they were in the first half. Cause for alarm or just bound to happen? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. I think it's bound to happen. You know, I think over the course of the season, stretches like that are going to happen. I'm not going to. I'm not going to push the panic button on that one yet. Um, I mean, you're talking about Hampton and, and Traxel as really the, one of the top one-two punches, if not the Big 12 in the country. And and, and stretches like that are going to happen. I'm not too concerned about that one. Yeah. Uh, for all the negatives we just put on him, 5-3 and three with a 3.44 ERA. I still think he has the most innings pitch in the country, if not he's close, uh, complete games. That kind of makes it easier on your Sunday starter, too. When you're getting deep into the game or finishing the game, you can be more creative with your Sunday starter. Let's talk on the the head side of the coin here. The better problem for West Virginia to have son of a gun, JJ weather holds back and that just screws up everything. Doesn't it? Um, five games. He misses. They go four and one. He comes back, pinch hits and then he starts and it seems like he didn't miss a beat, but here's a guy who has middle of the lineup potency with his bat, who has been a one or two hole hitter off all season. He might like being the number two, because there could be a guy or two on base. Um, he might like leadoff, and maybe Maisie likes him as a leadoff because it's a tough out. And especially if you turn the lineup over and you've got something good going and he comes up because eight or nine or seven or eight got on base, then all of a sudden he's an RBI situation. I don't know if there's a bad spot for him, but what do we see about the the machinations here of the, let's just say the top third into the heart of their lineup right now? Yeah, it's funny you say that. I actually asked, JJ a couple of days ago, um, what spot he preferred, whether it was leadoff or, or in that two hole, kind of half expecting him to just say, "Oh, you know, I'll play wherever wherever coach puts me." But no, he actually does enjoy that two spot, um, which I like to hear because I, I'm much more of a fan of him in that two spot um, as with with Tevin playing as hot as he has. I mean, he only got moved up into the leadoff role because of Weatherholt's as, uh, absence and went on to have really one of the best single weeks of his entire Mountaineer career. Um, so if he can keep up playing at this at this level, I don't think there's any reason to put Weatherholt back up there. I'd much rather see Weatherholt up uh, with runners on base, like he like he said last night. He, there's just so much more room to do damage and, and drive in runs. Um, I've never been a big fan of having uh, one of the top power hitters in that leadoff spot, so maybe I'm a little bit biased there, but I'm a big fan of Weatherholt in that two spot. And like you said, it's, it's a good problem to have. I mean, Tevin Tucker's obviously playing the best baseball right now of his career, and I think we should ride that out. It's incredible what he's done. Um, with Weatherholt out, three for three, four for five, three for four, one for three. Uh, Weatherholt comes back two for three. But that's a pretty great run for a guy who's batting 370 this year and oftentimes struggled around 200 before. Um, yeah, if he's going to do that for you, 
draw walks, get on base, cause trouble in the bases. If he's on, you got to worry about him and also worry about Weatherholt. That's tricky. That's a great way to set the table. One of those ways there too. Have they done any maneuvering in the middle or are there maneuvers to make in the middle? There are some bats there that have made some noise at different times of the year. Consistency maybe is an issue and that could just be college baseball, but three, four, five, they're not bad at getting guys on. And they've been very good as a lineup at getting people home top to bottom, but you want to do some damage in the middle there. How does, how should the middle look? You think? Yeah, I, I think Randy Maisie's shown that that he's he's very willing to kind of mix and match how he has the middle of the order. Just because you look at one through nine, this is the most dynamic lineup that he's had in his time at West Virginia. Um, so, you know, there's a number of guys that he can mix into the three. Obviously, Landon Wallace has, has played well at, at times this year. He's been one of the hit best centers in the lineup. Caleb McNeely has that power. You could switch him three and four. Dan Leonard um, has certainly had his moments. And, and then Ellis Garcia, freshman, has kind of come on strong here um and, and you look at the lineup last night and you had grant hussey down in the bottom of the order and he's had sometimes uh, some some difficulties some tough, tough stretches this season but when you can have a power hitter like him in the bottom of the lineup um and even had tevin tucker in the ninth spot earlier this season it just shows really how strong this lineup can be uh, when everything's clicking what do you make a hussey he's a guy who can get hot and knock the ball all around the park uh had a grand slam the other day 10 homers leads the team Strikes out a little bit. Maybe that's not adequate. Strikes out a lot. Uh, you're talking 46 strikeouts as we're talking there and 115 at-bats. Not a great rate, but still 261, 10 homers, 34 RBIs. For a corner infielder, that's not bad. And he is a little bit mobile. He could be a middle-of-the-lineup guy. He could be a bottom-of-the-lineup guy. Uh, Where is he at? What does he mean? Yeah, I think you saw, you've saw. you kind of seen the last couple of games. His, his weaknesses have been exposed pretty badly. Um, on the breaking pitch, he's, he's had a tough time this season. Um, but, you know, you're talking about a guy that really has as much potential as anybody else in this lineup. Um, and he, he hasn't been able to hit the hit, hit the curve in the off speed. Uh, but when he's been getting getting himself into good counts, he's been getting that fastball and he can really drive in the gaps and, and has really as much power as anybody else in the lineup. So right now it's it's probably better to have him in the, the kind of the, the bottom section of the lineup, maybe that six, seven, eight, nine spot. Um, but when he's hot, um, he really can can take this lineup to the next level, I think. Yeah, I kind of like him in the bottom because you can't go to sleep on him. Like, if you make a bad pitch, he's going to hurt you. Now, if you really got to work against him, well, then you can't take a break in that part of the lineup either. So there, there is something there. It's kind of an interesting point you make. Um, closing up on this lineup here, other players, other developments, surprises, whatever you want to call it. What should you highlight here that, that could be good, could be bad, but just something for people to keep an eye on as it relates to the fate of the offense? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to go towards Dallas Garcia. Uh, I don't have his stats right in front of me, but I've been really impressed with with him coming in as a first-year player um, on the infield and, and uh, you know, really has had, has had some really bright moments this season. Um, Randy's really gotten unfortunate with – with having some first-year players come in and have success right away. And, and he's just another one of those guys. I think he has a really bright future um, and, and is a guy that has had good moments this year and I think will we'll take the next step um, into being a, a bit more big part of this lineup the next couple of seasons. So I'm excited to watch him. Yeah. Finally, the fun part of the conversation, West Virginia has a price of admission player in baseball again. Uh, probably most recently, actually definitely most recently, would have been Alec Manoa. They just don't come around very often for West Virginia baseball. You could be partial to some of the players from the recent years, you know, um, 
Scott Davis, people like that who were in the outfield and who, who ran around and did some things at the top of the lineup and were fun to watch. Weatherholt's totally different. Um, this is a middle infielder, could be a corner infielder, um, top of the lineup guy with, like you said, a middle of the order bat. He's not big, but he hits the ball hard and far. And Will, he's ranking among the national leaders in a lot of important categories, which means we are going to kick off award season conversation here, which, again, just having these conversations now relative to where they were in, like, February makes your head spin a little bit. But we can actually have these conversations because this seems like All-American, All-Conference, and perhaps beyond for him this year. Oh, certainly All-American. I mean, it's so funny to – so fun to watch this. I mean – when has West Virginia, a West Virginia player like this really been in kind of these end-of-season um, award conversations? You know, obviously, Alec Manoa, but I, I think that these players, Alec Manoa and, and Weatherhold, have, have come around at the right time and really taken these exciting teams to the next level. Uh, right now, we're talking about a, a, two-man, a two-man race for Big 12 Player of the Year. Um, Weatherhold is, is going to go head-to-head, I think, with, with Gavin Cash at Texas Tech, first baseman, uh, former Texas Longhorn. Gavin Cash kind of has that more traditional first baseman power hitter leads the leads the conference in home runs, RBIs, um, really not close. Uh, he has a significant lead over over the the others in the top three and top five. Um, whereas Weatherholt makes his mark on average um, on base percentage, OPS, um, OPS being obviously on base slugging, um, your ability to get on base and hit for power. Um, he's, you know so many different levels to his game and it's going to be really exciting to, to see this come down the stretch whether second um even with you know these five games that he's missed he's still second in hits 68 still second in doubles he got 17 doubles total base is 116 he's second there and uh with a 784 slugging that's second as well so he's right up there and i think that um it's going to be really fun when when gavin cash comes into town and these titans kind of go at each other because um it's not hyperbole when I say that this Texas Tech series may be the most highly anticipated series in, in WV baseball history, certainly one of them, um, and certainly one of the biggest during the Randy Mays era. That's awesome, isn't it? Like you're going to have teams going at it, but also two players playing for stakes too, and you don't often see that in a baseball team sport unless it's pitcher against batter. This is going to be kind of two guys do good enough for player of the year. Like you don't get that very often. This is awesome. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this is – like I said, I think this is going to be about as highly anticipated of a series as as we've seen in in recent memory. Um, what position is Cash? What position is Cash he, playing? He's a first baseman. Okay, so let me ask you this: You, you mentioned some of the power numbers. Um, I kind of want to say that Weatherholter are weighted a little bit. Does that make sense? Like, are his ten homers nine? I guess the same as Cash's twenty. No, but do you really expect your second baseman to mash the ball? Maybe so in college. I don't know, but like his numbers are kind of more of what a first baseman is cash. I'm speaking of, and I wonder if you grade in a curve with someone like Weatherholt. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look average, obviously is Weatherholt has a significant lead there. Um, like I said, two different styles. I, I think with kind of MVP and, and player of the year votings, a lot of the times it leans towards the home runs and, and the RBIs, but at the same time, you know, like I mentioned the OPS, um, that is your ability to not only get on base, but hit for power. And, and J.J. Weatherholt is leading that quite significantly. So I, I think that that's definitely going to be taken the definitely taken into consideration. All right, pressure's on you now, Will. The media sometimes drives narratives. Individual awards are oftentimes awarded for narratives. How much has Weatherholt helped himself with the ferocious comeback here? Uh, it's not just that he's back in the lineup. 
he's back in the lineup and just did things right away. A basis clearing double in his first at bat back, a grand slam the other day. Uh, again, not just back, but he's back with like a, a presence and an announcement that I'm going to have to be eligible for these awards, guys. You're going to have to know, look what I'm doing right away. I, I think, I don't know why I'm even surprised anymore. Um, he came back way faster than expected. Obviously he's not playing in the field, but but he's been DH and, and it's just, I've never really seen anything like it at the collegiate level. Someone who can miss a few games, come back, come up with the bases loaded, drive a double down the line, change the game with one at bat. Um, and he, even with half the amount of at bats as everybody else had, as he pinched it against uh, in the last game of that TCU series, uh, really changed the game. And then you'll hear last night, his first start back, he hits a grand slam. He comes up again with the bases loaded. He misses a second grand slam by 15, 20 feet, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's, I've, I've never seen anything like it uh, for West Virginia. So it's it's been so fun to watch. It's crazy. Uh, four for six, nine RBIs. <laughs> it's two games back. Uh, and also, most importantly, one for one on steals. So he's been on base a couple times. I think he walked once as well. So what, seven times he's been on base. Um, just one steal. I don't think that's a coincidence, huh? No, no, not at all. All right. Uh, and then I guess our last matter is how much of an NIL bag do we have to whip up for Weatherholt this offseason? I would say quite significant. I, I don't think... Me personally, I'm not too worried in a transfer. I mean, with only one season to go, um, really kind of locked into this lineup. I'm I'm not too worried about a possible transfer. Um, maybe I'm just more optimistic, but I'm not worried too much about it. Um, and like I said, like I said, for people that don't know, he does have to come back. I'll just put that out, out there. He does have to come back for one more season uh, due to MLB draft regulations. Um, so he has one more year of college, and then he can enter the draft next year. Um, so we'll see. I think that's more of a question for the offseason. And fans should just enjoy, kind of enjoy this, uh, enjoy his bat in the lineup. And then we'll, we'll worry about NAL maybe. Yeah. A yeah. Bit later on. Run him out of town or get mad at the NAL sometime later, but just sit back yeah. and watch this guy work right now. One of the best in the country for sure. And again, a really big series uh, coming up against Texas Tech. But before that, like we said, eight pretty significant games when it comes to the fork in the road for this season. Three at Baylor, home against Pitt, three at home against Oklahoma, one at home. Uh, against Pitt. No, that's actually it's at Pitt's stadium, so that's not PNC. Forgot to play three against Pitt. Um, anyways, okay. a lot happening, a lot to cover, but we've covered a lot of ground already. Will, good to have you back, man. We should do this again soon. What do you think? Thanks a lot. Cut out for a little bit, but it's great to be back. Let you speechless. How about that? All right. Until next time, I am Mike Zazza. That is Will Aldrich. We will talk to you then.